You are listening to your Raw Review here on the Dirty Sheets podcast. You can follow the Dirty Sheets on Twitter at Dirty Sheets X. That's at Dirty Sheets X. I should actually be saying you can follow the Dirty Sheets on X at Dirty Sheets X because there is no Twitter anymore. They've done away with Twitter and um, good riddance to it because I must have lost about 50 accounts while I was on there because it was just so ridiculously woke. But as me and Cab said on the show on Friday, Elon Musk is not above wokeness himself, especially when it comes to the oil protesters. And uh, Cav has a conspiracy theory about that. I actually lost my account for making a comment, a sarcastic comment that I think was lost in translation about the oil protesters. And Cav also lost his account for the same reason. So he's very defensive of the oil protesters. Let's put it that way. As you guys know, if you've been listening to the shows, we are going to do a video preview for SummerSlam this week. So that's going to be out around about Thursday or Friday, probably definitely going to be on YouTube by Friday morning. So make sure you check that out. We are also going to be dropping a betting preview for the SummerSlam card. The betting preview is going to be exclusive to the Lock Betting Podcast. So you're going to get two different types of SummerSlam shows. You don't need to listen to both of them or watch both of them because you can't watch both of them. You can only watch one of them, but it's going to be on YouTube. And as I said, I really want you guys to consume as many hours of YouTube content as you can, because that puts us on course to do what we want to do, which is to have an interactive version of the Dirty Sheets where you guys can contribute, whilst also doing the other bonus shows, which will include wrestling list, wrestling lists, wrestling profiles, superstar profiles, um, two editions of Wrestling Informer each month, and exclusive news updates on the feed, along with this Raw review, a SmackDown review, and Cav will contribute every single week. He's not on the show because he's going to be focusing on the NFL instead. I will be trying to get guest hosts to fill in for Cav when I can. I have some names in mind. I've spoken to some people. So on some weeks on YouTube, there will be a guest host doing the show with me. So At this point, let's move on to talking about Monday Night Raw. Before I do that, actually, um, there was a story out today about Logan Paul and his plans for SummerSlam on my Patreon, thedirtysheets.com. So if you want to get yourself an exclusive story on Logan Paul, that is available at thedirtysheets.com and there will be an audio version of that story dropping on the Dirty Sheets podcast feed. You'll see it pop up in your feed and in order to hear it, all you need to do is subscribe. That's what you're going to need to do to get all of the bonus podcasts. Some of them will be free. The Dirty Sheets will continue to be free every single week, so you're not going to be losing anything. The show that you know and love will still be free like it's always been, but there will be a subscription fee for the bonus shows. Most of the bonus shows, we are going to drop the occasional free show so you can sample it, but this is sample week. So this is the second time you're getting the Raw review for free. You're going to get a SmackDown review for free as well. You're going to get the SummerSlam preview for free on YouTube, and you're going to get the first edition of Wrestling Lists for free as well. Then after that, 
you will need to subscribe to get all or most of the bonus podcasts, especially those exclusive news bits, starting with the Logan Paul piece that I will be dropping tomorrow. So this is the first thing that I want to talk about on this week's show, the booking of Matt Riddle. Now, I saw Cav tweet out that this was a good thing that Kaiser got the win because Gunther's boys can't always be doing jobs. And yeah, that does make sense to some extent. But why would you do that to Matt Riddle? What does this mean for Matt Riddle? Matt Riddle has come back just after WrestleMania, and he hasn't really won a match. I'm trying to think when Matt Riddle beat anybody, and the fact that I have to think about it, surely he has, but the fact that I have to think about it and think hard about who he's won shows you how poor the booking has been. So there could be a reason for this, and it could simply be because of Matt Riddle's private life and the fact that they feel that he's a poor investment. But This is a company who are trying to draw money. This is a company who are trying to create stars. If you're going to have everybody being the same, if you're going to have everybody being cookie cutter, then how are you going to find the next big star? The best performers are the ones who are themselves, but are able to build and magnify that by turning up the voltage and magnifying that personality by 50%. That, that's how stars are made. They don't play completely different characters to themselves. Now, Matt Riddle obviously lives a little bit of a crazy lifestyle. And I believe that he's being punished for that. I believe he's being punished for what he does on Instagram. And I don't think his Instagram post today is going to help where he's made a comment saying it's uh, easier to win a UFC, a real UFC fight than it is a WWE fight. And he's posted a video of him easily winning a fight in UFC. Now, this could be part of some bigger storyline, or it just could be Matt Riddle speaking out against the company and having enough of the way he's being utilised. And I don't think this is a good utilisation of Matt Riddle. This isn't somebody who should be doing these jobs. This is a legit MMA fighter who has a good look, a good build. He looks believable. He is believable because he could probably kick the shit out of everybody in that locker room with the exception of Brock Lesnar. And uh, this is very, very poor booking unless you're going somewhere with this. And I don't believe that they are because if you look at the number of people that Triple H 
has bought in and has completely buried, it isn't a good track record. Now, he's praised a lot in the Twitter community, in the wrestling community, wrestling Twitter or wrestling X, for being a massive upgrade on Vince McMahon for booking more logical storylines and for making better television. But Whereas the storylines may be slightly more logical and the show may flow a little bit better and make more sense, he's certainly no star maker. Look at Johnny Gargano. Look at Karrion Cross. Look at how Nakamura has been booked since he's come back in. And look at Matt Riddle. And the examples are endless. Don't even get me started on the women's division. So I don't think he has been very successful. I think it's easy to run NXT and to create stars there. I think it's easy to sit in the background and criticise, but then when you're face-to-face with all of these people and the internet is telling you stupid shit like Chad Gable should be the next intercontinental champion because he had a good match with Gunther last night, um, you need to balance that out. And the same problems that we saw for Tony Khan where he signed every free agent in the business and everybody was labelled a game-changer, We're seeing Triple H have those struggles because not everybody can win matches and it's just a case of making the right choices. But I don't think it's a good idea the way he's booked Karrion Cross, and I certainly don't think it's a good idea the way he's booked Matt Riddle. I don't care for some people and the way they've been booked. I don't care about Candice LeRae and and Johnny Gargano and and all the other people who have come in and and haven't really done anything like Mia Yim or the OC or, or any of these guys. I don't care. I don't think that they are superstars that you can make money with. But Matt Riddle is, and so is Karrion Cross, and so are a number of other people. I think Nakamura could have done a lot more with his return. And um, last night, he, of course, got the win over Champa. But Champa himself is now on a massive losing streak after returning and getting one win. He's since lost every single match. He's even lost to the Miz. And last night, he lost to Nakamura. Now he's in a feud with Nakamura that nobody cares about. So... As I said, I don't think the booking is particularly good, but it really bothered me last night. It's not because I'm a friend of Matt Riddle or anything like that. I'd have always thought that you could get a lot more out of somebody who looks like Riddle, someone that wrestles like Riddle, and someone that has the credentials of Matt Riddle. So for me, this was a terrible decision. The booking of Riddle has been absolutely terrible. Um, It's been terrible for a while, but this was a real eye-opener, and I think it opened a lot of people's eyes last night. But with Riddle's Instagram post. I'm not 100% sure whether this is Riddle speaking out against the company or whether we are heading towards some sort of storyline where Riddle does go a little bit crazy and perhaps turns heel. And that would probably be the best thing for him because this surfer dude stoner character is completely and utterly dead at this point. There it is. Sleeper hold applied. I don't care how tough you are. No mortal man can hold his breath for 40 seconds. Gable's going down. With nowhere to go. Oh, questionable tactic by Gunther. Looking to soften up Gable a little more. But Sitch is in the sleeper again. And Gable beginning to fade. 23 seconds. Gunther's got to finish off John Gable and quickly... Keeps looking at the clock. What a chance Chad Gable has here. Gunther might be feeling a little panic here. 
We're less than 10 seconds away. Gable's going to do it. Gable's going to do it. Gable did it. Oh, no. So this is what I was mentioning earlier. Chad Gable went to a time limit draw with Gunther. Gunther had the match restarted and got the win over Chad Gable. And people are saying that he should be the next contender and he should be the one to end the Intercontinental title reign. No, he shouldn't. This is another example of idiots on the internet wanting every wrestler pushed who can wrestle a little bit. That's not how this business works. Chad Gable isn't ever going to draw any money or sell t-shirts or do anything other than be a good hand. It's the same for Mustafa Ali when people were saying, free Ali, free Ali to do what? What's he going to go and do at AEW? How is he a better and bigger star than the guys who have already gone over there and done very, very little. The ex-WWE guys that have gone over there and done very little. So what's Ali going to do over there? What's Chad Gable going to do over there? Why should Ali and Gable be pushed? Why should Gargano be pushed? These are people who, in my opinion, are good hands and you should not be ending Gunther's reign at the hands of Chad Gable. Drew McIntyre would be a good person to do it with but you want to get past the record. And I do think Gunther gets past the record this weekend. But we'll talk more about that when we do our SummerSlam preview with Cav on YouTube, which will be available, as I already said, on either Thursday night or Friday morning. She's feeling herself for first time, Maxine. Maxine taking flight to devastating effect. Cover. Hey, Eric from the Viking Raiders just put his head in the ring. It's all kicking off here. We have Bedlam on the outside of the ring. Watch out, it's Gable. The Academy takes out the Viking Raiders, but Valhalla from behind. Maxine took her eye off the ball and could pay dearly. Mayhem outside the ring, but inside it's Valhalla back in control. Massive right connecting. Valhalla looking to take it high risk. Oh no, this looks bleak. Maxine's first singles match may be her last. Oh, well played, Maxine. What is Maxine Dupree got planned here? Oh, wow! For the victory! Maxine's done it! What? Maxine Dupree made her in-ring singles debut and picked up the win. This is one of those examples where I say not everybody needs to wrestle. I thought the maximum male model thing was really good. It was really funny. It's better than what she's doing now with the Alpha Academy. I don't know why they stopped doing that. The additional content that never made it onto TV but was on social media was actually hilarious and both me and Cav were enjoying it, but they're not doing that anymore. They've they've put her out there. They've made her just another wrestler. Obviously, she's getting a little bit of shine because there's a lot of attention on her matches. I don't know what it's doing in terms of the ratings, but as I said, I don't think that everybody needs to go out there and wrestle. I think that she can be utilised a lot better. She's obviously a very, very nice to look at girl. 
And uh, she's a channel stopper as well. But I did not think she was a channel stopper in her outfit last night. So if she's going to continue to wrestle, she's going to need to get something a little bit more flattering. Um, I think when Lana wrestled, um, she had some decent outfits. I think you can look at Becky Lynch and um, her ring outfit does her some favours, especially when you compare it to what she used to wear before. And uh, there are a number of examples of where the wrestling attire enhances your assets. Selena Vega is another good one. Uh, I don't think this did it for Maxine last night. That's really my only takeaway because sex sells and people are more likely to stop and watch if you are looking good in the ring, if there are things to look at, I'm talking about arse, I'm talking, talking about cleavage, uh, but having your hair tied up tight like that and wearing an unflattering outfit, I don't think that really worked for her. Again, this isn't me being facetious or overly critical or sexist as um, someone like Ryan Satin or Sean Ross Crap would say. But um, it's just me giving my opinion. I'm not like one of these people that sit there and say that Becky Lynch is ugly as if I wouldn't bang her. And that's been said by fat virgins with eight chins living with their parents. That's not me. I've, I've, I've been with women. I think I'm qualified. I think I'm in a position to comment. Is Maxine Dupree a 10? Yes, she's still a 10. Would I allow someone to numb my foot and cut off my little toe just so I could bang her as a reward? Yes, I would let somebody do that because she is at that level. But considering she's at that level, I did not think that this ring outfit was was flattering to her. And that's really my only takeaway from this other than the fact that I don't believe that all women need to wrestle and they can be utilised in a different way. We could have valets, we could have other characters like we uh, we used Sonia Deville as a GM um, we've got backstage announcers um, Sunny did various things where she was scouting for talent when she was always scouting for new people to manage which which was an excuse to get her out there there's there's loads of different things that you could do Sable was fucking handed out t-shirts with a t-shirt gun so different things that you can do with these women obviously I would want to get her on tv as much as possible but I think the managerial role will be fine and it is fine for some people after the match on Saturday the ring announcer is going to announce the winner of the match right and that ring announcer over there Samantha Irvin hi Samantha that's your fiance, right? Ah, that's what I thought. So yeah, Ricochet, after I beat you at SummerSlam, I hope there's no hard feelings when I have your girl saying, and the winner is Logan Paul. Logan Paul has no chill and Ricochet has heard enough. To think that Logan Paul says he's the one being victimized. Oh, Paul turns the tables. We can't overlook Logan Paul's impressive wrestling background, but look at the speed of Ricochet. Oh, oh, oh. Logan can't keep up. For the first time in his life, Logan Paul may have met his physical match in Ricochet. Ricochet taking to the skies. He's caught. Good night, 
Ricochet. I thought the opening segment last night was excellent. I thought both guys were good in this segment. I thought Logan Paul's line about Samantha Irving was one of the lines of the year. And it's just so good to see that he has embraced this um, this prick character because that's what people think he is. And that's what people want to see. And he was uncomfortable in it in doing it at first because I know he wanted to be a babyface because he believed that the babyface is better for selling prime and for enhancing his brand. But he's just so much better as a heel and he's 10 times better when he actually embraces it and acts as cocky as people think he is. When he looked at a camera after saying that line, that was just pure gold. And for me, when you act, when you factor in the wrestling and how quickly he's developed and, and how good he is already, and when you look at how quickly he's improving as a performer on the mic, this is somebody who, at this point, has to be a future WWE champion. When you look at the audiences he can bring in, when you look at how he's developing his skill set, it wouldn't just be making Logan Paul the champion for the sake of making Logan Paul the champion to bring in a new audience. He would bring in a new audience not only because he is Logan Paul, but because he's a great talker, he has a great look, girls like him, and he puts on phenomenal matches, and they're only going to get better as he learns more. So I'm very, very high on this guy. He's a great guy in person as well. Austin's met him a couple of times and just had good experiences with him. So I'm pulling for Logan Paul. Hopefully he does get the win at the weekend because he does need one. He can't lose three matches in a row. Um, I have got a story out about that match, not just about that match, but about um, various things relating to Logan Paul and I will be dropping that tomorrow so if you're interested in hearing more about Logan Paul make sure you subscribe to make sure that you can get the breaking news audio but overall I thought that this was the best segment on the show and it really enhanced things for their match on Saturday because initially I felt it was quite obvious Logan was winning because Ricochet had dominated the build but uh, last night Logan got that shot in on him and that line so it does add a little bit more doubt but um, I do feel that Logan will and does need to win on on uh, on Saturday because I do think he can move on to bigger and better things. And I think he's really, really growing as a performer. And um, it's impressive to see. But at the same time, you have to question how it makes WWE performers look. Because when you look at certain guys who have been doing this for years and aren't as good in the ring as Ricochet, or Bad Bunny, who's also very good, and aren't as good at the talking side of things either. So if you look at somebody like a Ricochet, in terms of somebody who's never really had the gift of the gab, Logan Paul really puts them to shame. And it kind of makes certain performers look inferior, whilst also making wrestling look a little bit easy to do. When someone can come off the street and start doing this, it does make it relatively easy. Obviously, people that think that probably need to engage their brain a little bit better. Uh, I don't think everybody can just step off the street and do this. I mean, I did, but I was always athletic. I did it coming off the back of being a, a fashion model for three years. And after I came, after I went into Big Brother, I was easily athletic enough to do wrestling. And that's the thing. Bad Bunny's an athlete. He's about the same build that I was when um, when I came out of Big Brother. So he was able to do it. He was athletic enough to do it. And Logan Paul, not only is he athletic, athletic he's actually an athlete. He actually trains for 
MMA. He's had boxing matches, of course. So he's a real athlete. So while myself and Bad Bunny aren't, and Bad Bunny did a lot better things than I did, but I'm just saying, if you are athletic, it is a little bit easier to do. So these fat marks who are sitting on their couch thinking that it makes wrestling look easy. It does to a certain extent. And I think it's a a big black blot on certain performers who haven't improved in their craft, whether it be in ring or at talking. But ultimately, it's a big feather in the cap for both Bad Bunny and especially for Logan Paul, who's taking his game to another level, especially after last night. I'm not entirely Tony sure Stark's not supposed to be in the match. Quite not simple. in the match. She's just beating up Becky Lynch. Not right now, she ain't. Becky Lynch responded emphatically. It doesn't matter. The match is over. Oh, my God. Gnarly landing by both women. Taking this to the outside. And oh. Becky against them. Not in the face. The numbers game playing a part here, but Becky means business tonight. Oh! Trish turned it all. Look at Becky Lynch go. Oh. Trish took the front of the impact with her face. Lynch is just peeing off. Somebody get Trish's face protector back on. Wait a second. Time out, Becky. Oh, no. Zoe has Becky by the hair. What a display of bravery by Zoe Stark. Yeah, real brave. Yeah, two on one. Real brave. Becky doing her utmost to fight. Both Zoe. And here comes Trish Stratus again. With the equalizer. I hope Trish's nose isn't rebroken. So this was a strange segment last night. Becky Lynch went out there and asked for a match with Trish. She got her match with Trish. It was an immediate disqualification. And we essentially found out that this match wasn't happening at SummerSlam. And it was odd because we also saw the same with Raquel Rodriguez and Rhea Ripley. So two matches that people thought they were going to see at SummerSlam. Two women's matches, both off the card. So I guess we're getting one Raw match, which is the MMA match between Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. And we're getting the SmackDown triple threat match with Charlotte and Bianca challenging Oscar. And I think that's probably about right. I probably would have gone with Trish and Becky as well. I would have tried to get that on. But the other match between Rhea and Raquel, that's really had no build at all other than Liv Morgan Morgan getting injured. That probably has time to sizzle. Rhea Ripley's in for a long run and you have to feed her opponents slowly. People are complaining that she's only had two title defences and the natty one was a short one as well and her reign's poor, but it's a long reign and there's not a lot of women. And then you do a brand split as well. So what are you supposed to do? She's being utilised in the judgment day. She's on TV all of the time. They also had a talking segment on this show. So I wouldn't be complaining about the booking of Rhea Ripley. She is one of the people who's benefited under Triple H and is a star. 
and um, Becky and Trish, I guess, will either happen on Raw or it'll be saved for the payback pay-per-view. But that was a weird development on the show. As for the Ronda and Shayna stuff, I thought that was some of the best stuff on the show. Now they suddenly know how to utilise Ronda Rousey because she's a real fighter. Now she's getting a real fight build-up. And we're getting a real story as to why these two are going to fight. This has actually been one of the best built-up matches. They've, they've done a bad job in terms of defining who's a heel and who's a babyface because they both said heelish and babyspacious things. When when Ronda's crying, that's a babyface. When when Ronda's getting attacked by Shayna, she should be the babyface. Uh, but Shane is the one who's getting cheered and Shane is the one who has a story about Ronda Rousey using her. So... It's a bit confusing as to who's the heel and who's the baby. I don't think it will matter. I think Shayna's going to win that match and then she's going to be a heel afterwards anyway, unless she is a babyface who then has to be one of Rhea Ripley's opponents as Rhea Ripley just marches towards next year's WrestleMania. I don't know, but um, I do feel that that has been the best built women's match. And if you had to pick one from Raw, that would have been the one, but I probably would have found room for Becky and Trish. But if the reason is that payback's looking weak, because the bloodline and Roman Reigns aren't going to be involved in it. And um, perhaps you're going into that pay-per-view with with maybe Damian Priest as a champion. I don't know what's going to happen at SummerSlam, but let's say that's the case. Or you have Rollins getting past Balor and not being cashed on, cashed in on, but then not having a credible opponent for that pay-per-view, then perhaps you need to move over a match that has a solid build-up and you have to move Rhea and Raquel over as well with a few more weeks added on to that in order to sell that pay-per-view as a viable pay-per-view, especially as the pay-per-views have been so hot. That one does seem like a little bit of a downer when you come out to SummerSlam with all these feuds dealt with, with Brock going away again, with Logan Paul probably going off television for a while, with Roman Reigns not doing it, it's going to be difficult to make that pay-per-view seem relevant. So maybe for that reason, it does make sense to move Becky and Trish to that show instead.
You can't really go wrong with a Brock Lesnar build. He's still a monster. Everything he does still works, even after all this time. He actually returns to the WWE now over 11 years ago, and this still works. Brock beating the shit out of everybody. Um, the opponent selling the power and the dominance of Brock Lesnar and it leading to a match where the opponent is perceived as an underdog. Although we know that Cody isn't an underdog here because the company are behind him, because this is the rubber match and because he has been destroyed by Brock Lesnar in the last two recent altercations, especially the one in front of his mother, then Cody is going to inevitably end up winning this feud. I think he does win at SummerSlam, but it is odd to me that this that this match doesn't have a stipulation. It does seem like a feud that should end with a stipulation, but it's just being called a rubber match. Obviously, we have tribal combat as the main event. That's the match that's going to have a stipulation. But does that leave the door open to do another match or maybe five matches? Do they go 2-2 and drag this all the way to Saudi or even to the Rumble? Because Cody needs shit to do up until the Raw Rumble or even up until WrestleMania. So perhaps they really drag this out. It's just surprising to me that they're not having any kind of gimmick match. Ultimately, I think with a ref bump, you can get that shit in or you could just have a very, very physical match. But um, it is still surprising that this isn't some kind of gimmick match, maybe a last man standing or a hell in a cell with a last man standing as well. You can have Cody beat Brock Lesnar without Brock Lesnar actually being pinned. So Cody ends up winning the feud without Brock taking another pin. Although he did lose a last man standing match exactly a year ago at this same pay-per-view. You could even make a case for Brock Lesnar actually being Mr. SummerSlam. I was running through Brock Lesnar's SummerSlam record and SummerSlam matches. And as I was looking through them, it's hard to make a case for anybody having a more relevant SummerSlam resume than Brock Lesnar. The WWE Universe want to see Rollins end this, but Dominic Mysterio in the way. The numbers game of the Judgment Day, playing a factor yet again. Rhea Ripley on one side, Dirty Dom on the other. Zayn takes out Dom, and here comes Bobby. Stop! Rollins in for the cover for the victory! 
All right, so I know people are into the Judgment Day and obviously they're into Seth Rollins because you can hear the pop at the end. But I think, again, these are the hardcore fans who are 10 shows and are big fans of WWE and love these guys and will get behind the product. And as me and Cav spoke about, I think some of those toxic fans who want to influence the product have gone over to AEW. But I'm not a fan of Seth Rollins and... Other than when he cashed in his money in the bank back in 2015, I don't think he's had a noteworthy title reign. His title reign, when he was given two wins over Brock Lesnar, was was boring. And they ended up ending it with The Fiend winning the Universal title from him. And again, we're back in the same situation. For a long time, people were saying that we need another champion. Roman Reigns isn't on television enough. Well, Seth Rollins is never going to main event a pay-per-view that Roman Reigns is on. So Roman Reigns is still top dog. This is clearly the secondary belt. And that's largely down to the fact it's in the hands of Seth Rollins, who hasn't done anything with it. Yes, the feuds have been lackluster because I don't think Finn Balor is credible given his win-loss record in recent years. But still, even if he comes out of this feud and comes away with the title and it doesn't go to Damian Priest, who's he going to face next? What's going to be interesting for Seth Rollins? Are you going to be massively invested in Rollins and Gunther? Are you going to be invested in Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins? What direction can we go in here with Seth Rollins? And is Seth Rollins interested, interesting to you? I'm not interested in the Rollins character with the dancing and the laughing, and I've never really seen him do an excellent promo. Yes, he has good matches, but even his matches are very much paint by numbers. It's the same match every single time. He has good matches, but it's one or two good matches that he has in his locker. I don't think he's a massively versatile performer. I think he could be if he needed to be, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the fans like what you're doing, but it's these hardcore fans. It's this hardcore wrestling fan base. It's these showgoers who are behind Seth Rollins. They like to sing the song, but the song is over and the man isn't. And not not the man isn't. His wife is the man and she is over. She's more over than him and always will be. But that in itself is the issue. I, I just don't see this guy as a top tier star. They've tried and tried and tried with him. I think he's at that secondary level. But uh, unlike people like Drew McIntyre and Sheamus and other people that I saw at this secondary level, even even John Moxley, who was Dean Ambrose in WWE, he was dropping down to the secondary level because they didn't see it in him. I've never seen it in Rollins. I've never seen him as being anyone who's better than a Dean Ambrose or um, or anybody at that secondary level. These guys that never quite made it to the very top. When you're looking at the likes of um, a Chris Jericho, a Rob Van Dam, a Rey Mysterio, these second tier guys who are excellent. They're great guys to have on your roster and they could even end up being in the all-time WWE top 100. Maybe even the top 50, some of those names, when you're looking at Jericho, Rey Mysterio and even a Seth Rollins. But he's not a top 20 guy. He's not that guy. He's not... Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Ultimate Warrior, Andre the Giant, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Roman Reigns, John Cena, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin. He doesn't belong 
with those names. And um, I think they're trying to force it and they really want this guy to be the guy, but he'll never be the guy when he's on the same show as Roman Reigns. And to me, he'll never be massively interesting as the number one draw on Monday Night Raw. If I was a WWE, and I'll reiterate this again, I would pull the plug on this. I would pull the plug on Cody having to beat Roman Reigns and making that finishing the story. And I would stop saying that in press conferences. And I would simply make winning a title finishing the story. If Cody has this title, it's not going to be equal to Roman's, but it certainly does elevate it if Cody gets a big WrestleMania win, even main event in night one or even night two. I mean, fuck, just put it on night two to make this belt seem equal to Roman's. We'll all know it isn't. And just have Roman beat Solo Sokoa in the main event of night one. Just do something like that so that you can have Cody as a champion still without having a guy who's approaching 40 beating Roman Reigns and ending the best title reign of the modern era. You need to find that star. What you all, what you really need to do is get this Rock match done because there are now heavy rumours again about The Rock coming back. And as we spoke about on the show last time out, the situation for The Rock is very, very different with um, Black Adam flopping, Young Rock being cancelled, We've seen the XFL flop in the ratings as well. So he's had three losers and he needs a win. And perhaps WWE can offer him that, although he's not going to get the win here because he will come in and um, and do big numbers as far as people being interested in the match with Roman Reigns. But ultimately, you cannot put the rock over Roman Reigns when that match, if that match actually happens. But he does need some positive PR and perhaps the WWE can offer that to him after a string of a string of L's. Um, I actually spoke about that on the SmackDown show. So if you want to check out my take on that, go and listen to the SmackDown review. But that's it for the Raw review. We'll be back on Friday. Thanks for listening.